Welcome to Critical Thinking for Everyone! Welcome, everyone, near and far, old and young, thinkers or feelers. Bring them all. Bring them all. Yeah, it's for everyone, even if you're a feeler and not a thinker. I hadn't thought of that particular breakdown myself, but I am merely Brian Barnes, so can't think of everything. A professional thinker? Can't think of everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Patty Payette. I dare say we're all professional thinkers. Mm, In what way? If we're getting paid for the decisions that we make. Mm. Good point. Are we? Yeah. I mean, you're the cashier and you're like, I'm not getting paid to think, but when that person comes through and they have something to say to you, you can choose to keep it to yourself. Mm. You made a decision there. Listen, th- good, we need good thinkers in every single field. Or I mean, you, you want that to correct them. You want that truck driver on the highway to be a really good thinker. You do. You do. You, you want know? everybody. I think we want, want all of everybody. us to be good thinkers. Yeah, and there's good thinking and poor thinking in every industry, unfortunately. Well, you know that old dead crusty dude, um, the anthropologist William Graham Sumner. No, I don't. I'm not. What? Anyway, this old dude, he said that uh, we need people who can resist the effects of great speakers and resist the impacts of people who will try to appeal to our dearest prejudices. Oh, I am familiar with that, yeah. It's even, I mean, if we don't have these kinds of skills where we can think through the kinds of things that we actually maybe would prefer anyway to decide if it's really the best idea, the powerful will always be in charge. Yeah, the sophists. As you like to say, right? Always sure. Always be in charge. Sure. Or at least, or at least those that the sophists represent. Mm. The sophists yeah. are working too hard to be in charge. So basically, this show is the most important hour you can spend in your day because it helps you with all the other hours of your day, right? Yeah. It helps you be a good citizen of a democracy. It helps you be a good person in your neighborhood. It helps you uh, determine things about yourself. Yeah. I mean, well, to I the mean, extent what that else? We think that's important. What else is there? Well, maybe I mean, lots of things. Are we overselling it? Maybe a little. I don't know. I mean, maybe it sounds pretty boring. Well, I don't know. This topic this topic today, I got to tell you, uh, when I was prepping, I had my eyebrows kept popping up. I was going to ask you, what happened to your eyebrows? Huh. I read some. I usually of, don't mention such things, but <laughs> I read some of Ryan Holiday's work. Oh, Ryan Holiday, the, the eminent sophist? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You the, infinite, the imminent stoic. Stoic. But is he even a stoic or is he just a commenter on stoicism? Well, you know, that he would probably say he's a practicing stoic. Practicing. I, would, I guess that's I would all it takes. So. Yeah. So I have to tell you, though, you've heard of this guy, which I'm surprised that you've heard of him. I have, yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Well, I have. To, okay. So how, how? what context did you first learn of him? He is on the Facebooks. Oh, is that how you learned? Yeah, and he, okay. wrote, a, he wrote a book about Stoicism, about... Um, he sure did. ...about the usefulness of Stoicism for our daily grind. Yes, he did. The Daily Stoic, a mm-hmm. 2016 book. Yep. And let me tell you how I first learned of him. And I once bought merch. You did? What'd you get? Coin. And? What'd you think? Why? why'd Really? Yeah. It's a memento mori coin. Do you use it to remind yourself of your mortality? I use it to remember dead people. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like a like a 
Like I'm, a, I'm basically a memento. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. It's pretty. It's 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 pretty direct. Really? And okay, that's nice. Yeah. That works for you. Sounds like well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's it's more of a you know like a meditation sort of thing. It's not um, it's not particularly profound or whatever. It's just something that I do sometimes. I use for thinking about those who have departed. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That's a nice way to to use that. Sure. Stoics would say. Sure. I guess so. I mean, they wouldn't want me to focus too much on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so my own mortality. Let me tell you how I discovered this guy, which was only like about three or four hours ago. Oh, (laughs) we are prepared with depth and breadth at critical thinking for everyone. People may not know, but I will just put it out there to confess that sometimes the day that we're recording the show, I'm doing my more in-depth research because I'm always doing more surface stuff at the be- earlier, but I'm doing it more like lunch before we record. Okay. 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 So, so don't feel like you're getting today. short shrift. <laughs> feel like this free radio show is... <laughs> is well worth every penny (laughs) exactly thank you thank you so all your value out of it so okay so somehow the daily stoic came across my facebook feed Uh somehow uh so then i started liking it and started reading the daily stoic things uh, and i was like oh stoicism philosophy you know that i don't really know too much about it this would make a good show topic. Then I went to started reading more about what is stoicism. I went on his website, but his name and face are not like you have to dig. So I'm like, okay, who is behind this website? I'm like digging and digging. It's not like with humanism, it was the American when we did this show on humanism, yeah. it was the American Humanist Association. So I'm like, yeah, is there like, you know, Stoics Association. I'm looking big stoic, and then I big dig stoa. down. I dig down, dig down. Discover there's this guy named Ryan Holiday who has made this like his brand. Yeah, basically he has. He and Seneca have That's made right. it like That's right. like their brand. The letter and to Manuki is for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. So it turns out that Ryan is a self help guru. That's my description, but he and Wikipedia calls him an author, public relations strategist, bookstore owner, and host of the podcast, The Daily Stoic. There you have it. And he'd written a lot of books. Uh Uh-huh. So, but I was more interested in the concept of stoicism. Okay. And I started reading what he put out there. Okay. And some of his sweeping statements, I was like, wait a minute. He makes some pretty broad- He makes some pretty broad statements that I thought you would want to entertain. Entertain. Stoicism. (laughs) It's for everyone. It's for everyone. (laughs) Stoicism from the ancient Roman Stoa. That's what it's from? I don't know. Oh, okay. I imagine. Okay. I imagine that's true. So what I pulled out that I thought would be great for this show is... Um, rolling around in what he says stoicism is, okay? Yeah, all right. Then get this. He has a thing called How to Be Stoic, Nine Stoic Exercises to Get You Started. Oh, uh, well, we do love exercises we and critical do. thinking for everyone. Sure. We like to take the theory and put it right into the daily are practice. Are these pen and paper exercises or do no. people? These are things you can do 
in your day. Can you buy the equipment from uh, the Daily Stoic to do that? <laughs> no, them? you don't need you equipment. You don't need it? Okay. Although he, well, actually, there is a journal I'm that sure. he refer that you can, uh, like a, a Stoic if journal. If you're into that, yeah. Well, he, according to him, journaling is a big part of Stoicism and it looking at your life. It is historically a big part of Stoicism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do, you, do you actually know anything about Stoicism? A little, <laughs> almost, almost something. Did you actually study this in one of your sure. philosophy? You did. Yes, yes, I did. You did. Yes, Were I you did. attracted to it as a concept or uh, way of life? It was the water I was swimming in for a while, so it was it was just as attractive as anything else. It was just something to be explored to see. Try it on and see. Yeah, when I was younger, I found when I was in grad school the first time is when I was really um, I spent some time with this stuff, and I I, I don't know, I didn't. Um, I found it pretty heavy. Oh, you did. Yeah, I found it. A, I found it a little oppressive, a little preachy. Oh, really? Yeah, a That's little interesting, didactic. Uh... Well, I wasn't concerned about that so much at the time, but I was definitely. I would say that now. I mean, I guess I was. I was very. I was very skeptical of systems that told me how I should live. <laughs> really, but now, do you eat it up? <laughs> oh well, I mean, now I find that there's a great deal of truth that that is in there. I mean, I think. In order to appreciate Stoicism, you have to take a certain you have to take a certain intellectual posture that says that I actually I maybe am always in a position to learn and improve. Right. And I think that I wasn't taking that very seriously when I was maybe in my twenties. I mean, I was doing it, but, but I think not. in a great many cases, I was really satisfied with whatever I'd come to already. Okay. And, well, uh, I didn't. I didn't think you I didn't. Needed. You didn't like really take it on. I didn't like, need this Marcus okay. Aurelius business. That was <laughs> that's right. He for somebody all right. else. So I'm gonna share with you Epictetus what, what was Ryan has to say. Yeah. Now remember, this is his. This is for a audience. This is not for academics. So keep that in mind. Okay. Yeah, his work is definitely definitely it's for a, a for, popular right, audience. Right. It's a it's airport book stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So here's what he says. Um, for This is one of those sweeping statements. For those of us who live our lives in the real world, there is one branch of philosophy created just for us. <laughs> Stoicism. <laughs> the other branches, you might as well just stay in your ivory tower. <laughs> That's just great. <laughs> He actually okay. starts off that way. Well, you know, it's He's just brand. alienated every single one. It's his brand. Go on, kid. Get some. And he says, <laughs> it's a philosophy designed to make us more resilient, uh-huh. happier, uh-huh. more virtuous, and uh-huh. more wise. Uh-huh. And as a result, better people, better parents, and better professionals. Yeah, sure. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Right. Yeah. So he is basically saying, wanting to know what what stoicism is, okay, and he wants us to know who is, who are the major who are players, Stoics. right? Who were they? So he talks a lot about those. Yeah. Um, but let's try to wrap our minds around what he thinks it is. Okay. okay? Sure. So he says the stereotype. If someone says you need to be more stoic, what's yeah. the stereotype? You need to you need to control your emotions. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. emotionless and yeah. like yeah. solid and you know. 
So he says Unperturbed. that. Right. Yeah. But he said stoicism is actually a tool in the pursuit of self-mastery, perseverance, and wisdom. It's, it's something one uses to live a great life rather than some esoteric field of academic inquiry. Wow. To me, wow, look what he's saying. Let's just look at this statement. Something one uses to live a great life rather than some esoteric field of academic inquiry. Yeah. Those can be the same thing. They can be, but I, don't, I think not for the Stoics. Really? Yeah. I think that you're supposed to... You're supposed to um, take on advice that is useful as opposed to maybe learning information and theories for the sake of learning them. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so he says there are the major concepts of Stoicism are four virtues, okay? Yeah, sure. So if I'm, if I'm picking up what he's laying down, what he's saying is Stoicism is about cultivating these virtues in your everyday life, sure. right? Not yeah. just talking with Socrates over coffee about them. As attractive as that might be. Uh, yes, yeah. although he'd probably ask a lot of questions. I'm sure, but, yeah. Um, so the four virtues are courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom. But yeah. how he unpacks them in specific ways. Mm. And the Stoic philosophers, what are the three that he says are the three main? Do you want to, you've already the named one. The three main Stoic philosophers? Yeah, you, you already said one. Oh, um, well, yeah, so Marcus Aurelius, clearly, yeah. I'm sure Epictetus Yep, um, Epictetus. Is You've mentioned him before on the yeah. show. Yeah, and... Um, Last one. Yeah, I mean, there are a few to pick from. Is Seneca? Yeah, those yeah. three. Yeah, sure. Those, those are, are the those three. Those are the three big ones. Yep. Yeah. And he says these are the four virtues and the best books... And I'm giving you all, I'm kind of like doing the spoiler alert, and then we're going to unpack it a little Bust more. Bust out your pencil. Okay. I know you have a golf pencil says, be behind your ear. Yes, get that out. Yeah. Uh, or get your phone and get ready to type. The first book he recommends is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And it turns out Marcus Aurelius, according to Brian, was an emperor. He was an emperor. Roman emperor, which yep. I've heard his name, but I didn't know that he was a Roman. He oh. sounds like he was very... Um, like when you think of some corrupt emperors, he was considered just or more on the the, the better, better. Well, he more was effective. idealistic, perhaps. I mean, he was yeah. he was um, he was in. My understanding is he spent more time away from Rome than he did in Rome, um, because he traveled with the armies and he was an active hmm. general. While he was also an emperor, and that's impressive. Yeah, and so a lot of his a lot of the. Um, the stoicism that we get from Marcus Aurelius, in fact, I, I guess all of it is from his journal. Oh, yeah, the meditations yeah. by, yeah, and so yeah. Uh, Marcus Aurelius. He probably he, wrote he was, some letters, too. And but. he was emperor for 20 years, too, so yeah. that's pretty cool. Okay, the other person, the other thing he recommends is Letters from a Stoic by Seneca, who turns out Seneca was born a slave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then had some upward trajectory mm -hmm. in his mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And wrote a lot of letters that then became sort of. Uh, Did Seneca uh, was Seneca? I, I didn't know the Seneca. I, I knew Epictetus was a slave. Or maybe I'm getting them confused. No, I, think it's, I think it's Epictetus who was the slave. Really? Um, yeah. Let me look back at my notes here. Seneca, the son. Oh, you're right. Son of a Seneca was son of a wealthy and learned writer. Yeah. Okay, so he was a wealthy guy. Yeah. He was born into a wealthy family. And he, that's right. And Seneca studied philosophy, 
kind of reminds me a little bit of Plato, maybe. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of born into money and sort of was able to spend his life, you know, pondering these great questions. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, Epictetus, on the other hand, you know, his his... One of the reasons why people really like both Epictetus and um, Marcus mm-hmm. Aurelius as opposed to Seneca, I mean, I'm doing nothing wrong with Seneca, but um, the reason they privilege those two guys is because they actually use this material in um, life situations where they didn't have a lot of other options. So I see. as Epictetus was kind of making his way as a free person in the world, he was trying to figure out what was really important versus not. And he was trying to use this this kind of thinking to help him, um, you know, sort of make that make that level of discernment so that he could live a really good life. And Marcus Aurelius was constantly, you know, living out in the woods somewhere, having to make it as good as it can be. Wow. And it's sort of like, well, how, if you don't have luxury available to you, which a lot of people don't, then how, how do you live such that you can say that it's a good life, right? And so he was, that's some of the balance he was looking for. So it sounds like from the very small amount of research I've done by Stoicism, what, what a Stoic would say to that question of how do you live a good life if you don't have a lot of resources, mm. one of the things they would say is the decisions that you make, right? You, mm. What do you have control over is your thinking in your decisions. That is what you can use to make a good life. Well, and you also would want to be a person who follows some level of virtuous living, right? There, For the Stoics, if I have virtue, then that will give me comfort. Um, that's something I can take comfort oh, in, I even see. when things are difficult. So, you know, it's sort of like, well, I didn't win, but I gave it my best kind of thing. Like right. that's a very I played stoic. fairly or sure. I, you know, left yeah. it all on the field. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Or, or, you know, there wasn't there wasn't really any way for me probably to overcome this. But nonetheless, I was you know, I didn't um, do anything dishonorable or something like that. Right. right. Yeah. So I was I was courageous in the face of tough times or something like that. I I made, I made, right. So, so, uh, so the books, okay. So meditations by Marcus Aurelius, letters from a Stoic by Seneca, discourses by Epictetus, Epictetus, and the last one, the daily Stoic (laughs) by Ryan Holiday (laughs) and Stephen Hanselman. What a surprise. I don't don't know if that's the fourth one I'd use, but yeah. Do you have another one you'd like to recommend to the people listening? Oh, any anything that's academic about the Stoics? <laughs> okay. I mean, I, you know, no. I mean, the thing about Holiday's work, which I appreciate, is that he um, he stays very much with these texts, and he does, I think, bring out interesting anecdotes. Um, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. I don't have. Uh, I don't have tremendous don't. criticism for his. For his work, I think that he lets a lot of the text speak for itself, and that's nice. It's in the public it? domain, and so why not? Okay, you know. So, all right. So, I already mentioned the four virtues: courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom. Yeah. And what I like about each of these is the way that he quotes from the text, and the way he unpacks them is that they're very, um, like the concept. Like, for example. The concept of courage hmm. is not necessarily just like Marcus Aurelius in battle, be courageous, but more of in life, when you are in difficult situations, how do you act with courage? That 
I like the way he describes them so that they have a, a really wide play for how you might use them. What does life. that mean? I mean, isn't that what I, I just like attack everyone? Is that me acting with <laughs> courage says, in my... He says, all right, he says this good question. Set me up for that. He says, the world wants to know what category to put you in, which is why it will occasionally send difficult situations your way. Think of these not as inconveniences or even tragedies, but as opportunities, as questions to answers. Do I have courage? Am I brave? Am I going to face this problem or run away? Will I stand up or be rolled over? That's Mm. what he's saying. I see. And he said, let your actions etch a response into the record (laughs) and let them remind you of why courage is the most important thing. He says it's the most important thing. Yeah. Do you you think courage is the most important thing? Uh, No, I don't. I don't think it's the most important thing. I think it is an important thing. Okay. But – I don't know if I'd say it's theme. I mean, looking at let's look at the other ones, okay? Uh-huh. And then I'm, then we're going to look at these exercises he gives us. The other one he mentions is temperance. Sharpen your pencil. When you hear temperance, what do you think of? Temperance? I think of uh, control, of controlling what you um, what your responses are. Okay. Yeah. So when he talks about temper temperance, Ryan does, and he talks about it in terms of stoicism. He uses a concept like moderation. Right. Okay. Yep. So he uses Aristotle's concept of the golden mean, which I have never heard of before. Oh, we've talked about it before. We have? Well, it sounded vaguely familiar. Mm. So tell the folks the gold, Aristotle's golden mean. What is that about? Well, what Aristotle thinks is that um, if we want to uh, have a good life, then we should live essentially in a way that um does not uh represent excess or lack okay. so it's a way to just consistently have um enough of a certain characteristic that it will allow us to live a good life in that area but don't have so much of the characteristic that you overdo it okay so an example, if we talked about courage for the Aristotelian understanding of courage would be that courage is a midpoint between kind of excessive bravery, whatever you call that, and cowardice. I see. So the golden mean is always this midpoint between excess and lack of the characteristic. Okay. And when you identify all of the important Aristotelian characteristics, then you can strive for them. And the idea is that you then end up living a good life because more often than not, you manage to um, achieve that balance in in sort of hitting the middle middle way of the characteristic. So so another way to think about temperance is tempering your – virtues or qualities in a way so that you're not living on the extremes but right. you're exercising them right sort of just enough. Yeah, right? yeah, enough to, to be in the enough to be in that middle. middle space, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, he quotes Epictetus, Brian does, saying capability is confirmed and grows in its corresponding actions, walking by walking and running by running. Therefore, if you want to do something, make a habit of it. Hmm. So, if we want to be happy, 
we want to be successful, if we want to be great, we have to develop the capability, we have to develop the day-to-day -day habits and allow this to ensue. So the idea with temperance here, it sounds like, is that it is we are having to live it. Small adjustments day by day. Probably. They, that's that's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay, so then the third one, so we've talked about courage, temperance, justice. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he says there is no stoic virtue more important than justice. Wait a minute, I thought he just said courage was the most... People should people should get what they deserve. We should strive to make sure that justice is served. Okay, in just everyday life. Everything. That's Everything. what that's what you would you would want that as a as a, if you're pursuing justice, you would want to make sure that at all levels, in all situations, that G it's give us. And the listeners, an example from their everyday life, if they're like, well, I'm not in the courtroom. I'm not meeting out justice. Oh, I mean, you know, but you're, like? but you're in traffic and sometimes yeah. somebody's been waiting a while and it, yeah. it seems very reasonable to let them in. It seems like they may have already put in their time. None of us mm -hmm. deserve to be out here stuck in traffic. Right. So maybe um, we recognize maybe it takes a certain amount of courage in order to say, well, that's enough inconvenience for this particular driver. I see. Right. And for so. me, me to take a stand and let someone in. Right? right. Again, because there's not really any reason for me to be privileged and not be late for my appointment because I'm stuck at that intersection. Right. There's no there's no reason why I can go and they can't. I so see. I should try to um, encourage that. And when there are other opportunities, perhaps in the public sector to um, promote people or their ideas when they deserve that, maybe I mm. should get out of the way or facilitate that. Maybe I should use okay. my own um, uh, abilities or um, resources to, to make that happen. That's also, of course, the kind of world that I want you know, to live in. So fairness, would that be another way to think of it? I don't know if, I don't know if stoic justice would be the same as fairness. I think that maybe today, I don't know. I don't know how, I, I boy, I'm not sure. Mm. There are lots of different ways to think about justice, but. Yeah, well, he talks about it in, in, in sort of lofty terms in terms of people in history who have fought for ideas that mattered, right? Whether it mm -hmm. was the Civil War or whether it was civil rights or whether it was um, collective bargaining or, yeah. you know. All so, of these being cases of people being in a position to not get what they actually deserve. Right, exactly. Yeah. And he so. says uh, there's no stoic – oh, I already mentioned that. He says um, Marcus Aurelius himself said that justice is the source of all the other virtues. Yeah, yeah, he did. Now, let me ask, would that be true because – it's foundational, like justice mm -hmm. is the foundation on which you want to demonstrate courage or, or wisdom, right? That justice yeah. is sort of that. Well, I think so. And I think also for Marcus Aurelius, who was also pious, um, yeah. you know, he would have said that um, the right way to understand the gods, I think, is in terms of justice, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of, of this idea. And it's very hard for us to see that all the time in the divine examples or the way that um, the t decisions are made in terms of, of those kinds of things. But um, 
but it's another reason why we have to do our best as individuals because we have free will and we can make decisions that correspond with what we think is, you know, divine, divinely appropriate action or, or not. So we can be making decisions throughout our day about that support just causes or decisions or not. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And then the last one they talk about is wisdom. And he mentions that this is the final and essential virtue, the knowing, the learning, the experience. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, he says that key is today as in it, as it was in the ancient world to be able to distinguish between the vast aggregations of information that you lay out there at your disposal and the actual wisdom that you need to live a good life. Okay. So ep- Epictetus said you cannot learn that which you think you already know. Mm. So there's some intellectual humility required here. Sure. And also the difference between information and 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 knowledge. Yeah, and I think for the Stoics too, you know, you want to you really want to deal with reality as much as possible. You know, like if there's information there, you have to take it into account and and work with the situations as you find them on the ground in order to figure out the right applications for these virtues. Okay. Yeah. And and it sounds like the other one of the other values related to wisdom is learning, that you're always learning, that you're mm-hmm. never at the point where you're like, Well, I got this, I know everything. No, I think so. I think that so. the I think the Stoic is interested in learning, um, because situations require information to be processed appropriately. I mean I think that a lot of our a lot of the critical thinking stuff we talk about on the show, the stuff from um, you know, deriving mainly from Richard Paul is definitely influenced by um, the Stoics, particularly Epictetus. Wow, really? I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's Richard an important really connection. Liked Epictetus, yep. Really? What did he? What was it that he liked about him? Just that his 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 ideas were his ideas, his um, his ability to you know sort of make his way in the world after having you know been a slave um, and having you know Richard, I think, liked his approach to thinking about what his life should be like and, you know, sort of coming up with principles to try to um, make that happen. Mm, Nice. mm -hmm. Which is something that he thought he was doing, too. So, uh, absolutely. Um, Gosh, Richard Paul. Mm -hmm. We haven't done a show about Richard in a long time. Maybe it's time to do another show about Richard Paul. We can. Yeah? Never goes out of style. Never goes out of style. Um, okay, so he's got Ryan has nine stoic exercises to get you started, not as in push-ups. Okay. Not as nine in stoic not push-ups. as in like a math exercise. Okay. So here's the first one. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The dichotomy of control. Okay. So the first thing do you have to be able need, to spell them. <laughs> the first thing you need to do is differentiate between what you can change and what you can't change. So if you're going to embrace Stoicism, that is, he's saying, the first thing, okay? What we have influence over and what we do not, that is important. A flight is delayed because of the weather. Mm -hmm. No amount of yelling at an airline representative will end a storm. Mm -mm. No amount of wishing will make you taller or shorter or born in a different country. (laughs) Donald Trump. No matter how hard you try, you can't make someone like you. Mm. I don't know about that. (laughs) You could try. You can try. Sometimes it works. 
No matter, uh, and on top of that, time spent hurling yourself at these immovable objects is time not spent on the things we can change. So return to this question daily in each and every trying situation. Journal and reflect. What are the parts of your day within your control and what are not? He says this will not only make you happier, you will have a distinct advantage over other people who fail to realize they are fighting an unwinnable battle. What do you think about that? Do you think that's solid? I mean, I think that it's important that we recognize the things that we can have control over. I mean, sometimes in our lives we don't we don't have much of a perception of control. And so maybe mm-hmm. that maybe this does help us feel more accomplished, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like I can't change this thing, but I can change all of these things. Right. And so when we so. move our energy to the things that we can do mm-hmm. and stop obsessing about the things we can't change, mm-hmm. um, we move in the direction of a happier life. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, no. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's also the business about. You know, maybe there's a threshold out there where I don't have to have this kind of self-reflective control. Maybe I can just um, just go along and be perfectly fine without thinking about any of this stuff. And just let it happen? Yeah. I mean, do we say that people who don't do this work, are they not happy then? No, I think what I think the point, the takeaway for me is when you're in a difficult situation or when you find yourself you know, longing or wanting an outcome. I think the lesson here is to ask yourself, what part of this can I control and what part I can I is out of my control? And therefore, you can sort of shift your thinking sometimes in a more productive way, in a less stressed way, because, right, oh, the flight is late. Okay, what am I going to do with my time? Or what do I need to, what do I have control over on the, you know, what I'm missing or where I should be? What can I do mm-hmm. to mitigate that as mm-hmm. opposed to? So it's almost like a, um, it's a shift sometimes. Like, oh, be frustrated and then let it go and focus on what you can. <laughs> easier said than done, right? Yeah, definitely easier said than yeah. done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a good <clears throat> reminder. Invest, I once had a mentor who would say invest stay invested on what you can control in a relationship because you you can't you can't control the the other person Mm. so yeah yeah that's Um, a good reminder yeah it probably is good for us to to try to to try to you know have more control rather than than less but I wonder why it's not more of a popular idea. That's a great question. Um, I think we're really encouraged. In, I mean, even though we're encouraged to have power or whatever, we're also really encouraged to just, like, um, go with the flow and let stuff hit you and not be too critical. I think and, this is where you have to be discerning, you yeah. know, and you have to think about where your energy is going. And, and I think I – think, um, when he said journal about it, I think that when you're in a difficult spot or a challenging situation, if you journal about, okay, what can I control? And you literally ask yourself, what am I in control of here? What, what is out of my control? Yeah. Um, it's, sort of, it's also a perspective shift, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's a perspective-taking exercise. So, so I, I like that as a, as a stoicism 
tenants. Tenants, mm-hmm. okay? Sure. Here's another thing he says. He's really big on journaling. Really big on journaling. He says, Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius Seneca, all were letter writers, journal journalers as a way to not just communicate their ideas, but process and think through their ideas. So what do you think about journaling? Is this something you're into? Uh, I don't journal very much. Uh, I periodically write things, but I don't journal as a regular habit. Um, I think that it's a good thing. I have done in the past. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's really good for people who want to start thinking about their thinking. Not that it wouldn't help me now. It certainly would. But um, if you really want to spend time thinking about your thinking, it's really helpful to have that record. Yes. Um, He says, Ryan says, the stoicism The art of journalism is more than a simple diary. This daily practice is the philosophy. That's Mm, what he's saying. mm. Preparing for the day ahead, reflecting on the day that has passed, reminding oneself of the wisdom we have learned from our teachers, from our reading, and from our experience. Sure. So putting it in writing is a way of meaning making is how I would how I would describe that. So, sure. so folks, um, I will say that Ryan sells a journal where you can, <laughs> we are not promoting if you need one. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not promoting it. I'm just mentioning that yep. he, that's something he feels really strongly yep, about. Yep. And, right. Gratitude journal can be a really powerful thing. What's a gratitude journal? You know, oh, really? You've never heard of that. It's when you journal about things that you're grateful for oh okay as a way to again perspective taking and shifting from oh the day was really stressful to wow let me really focus on the things i'm grateful for oh, okay and so you leave all the negative stuff out of that one you do, do you leave have, all do the you have two out. journals when you do this work <laughs> well i will say do you remember we interviewed my friend kevin roberts yep yeah. Well, he when he was recovering from he wrote the, uh, he wrote about this in his book, so I know I can go public about this. He has a book called Cyber Junkie, and he talks about his own struggles with um, video game addiction. And he, he has this great section in the book. Hey, Kevin, shout out to Kevin, where he writes about like I'm I tried meditation, like I'm I'm on the addiction recovery pathway, and I'm I'm trying all these self help kind of strategies, and I'm going to a men's group, and I'm trying this and that. And he says, finally, keeping a gratitude journal and writing about grat nothing doesn't mean a freedom from addiction. It just says on his path. Nothing was as healing for him personally and unlocking some him his freedom from some personal demons as gratitude journaling. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Yeah. Okay, here's another exercise. All right, see what you think of this one. Okay. Might be a little controversial. Oh no. Practice misfortune. Hmm. Should you should you set some up? Like what do you <laughs> it says? Okay. This one is, I don't know, this one's really interesting. He says, um, um, it's important to remember that you want to actually put yourself in a situation where you are experiencing lack. Um, So he talks about um, Seneca's advice, which was, you should practice poverty a certain number of days mm-hmm. of the month. You mm-hmm. take a little food. You wear your worst clothes. You get away from the comfort of home and bed. Put yourself face-to-face with want, and you'll ask yourself, is this what I used to dread? So the idea is that comfort is the worst kind of slavery. 
because you're always afraid that something or someone will take it away. Yeah. But if you can not just anticipate but practice misfortune, then the losses don't have the ability to disrupt your life. What do you think of that? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, it reminds me of the Zen story where the um, – it's just – it's a it's – a, Koan, I don't have it right, but it's something like um, the barn burned down, so now I can see the moon. Right. Yeah. 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 It's that. It's that idea. I think that you know you can put um, a positive point of view on any misfortune if that's the way that you choose to look at it. They're all opportunities for the training of life. Okay. So worthwhile yeah i think and he said if you can make yourself familiar with these things the worst case scenarios that you're afraid of you take some of the power away because you're like oh i'm still breathing i'm yeah. still alive yeah i'm still here yeah it's sort of like another pers it's a way to let go of fear and anxiety by actually imagining or creating the worst case scenario and then going oh wow um wow that's okay i'm still here i'm I'm still, as we Stoics would say, I'm still in charge of my decisions or my thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it makes me think of a conversation I had years ago with one of my uncles, and we were talking about something. And I think I was lamenting some crazy amount of money that we had to spend for, like, I don't know, maybe it was property taxes. Maybe it was some something. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, and I remember I was just venting a little bit with him, and he looks at me and he goes, it's just money. <laughs> and I went, I went, yeah, wait. And I thought about it and I thought, yeah, he's right. It's just money. Yeah, but when you, when just money translates into not having things, it becomes a lot harder to be kind of stoic. Um, well, <laughs> I would say to be kind of intentionally stoic. Right. Like there's a question I think that's important one to ask, which is, if I'm stoic because I have no other options other than, you know, just, just being crazy and running around with nothing, you know, can I be comfortable with nothing or do I have to, um, if I'm not tempted by anything other than trying to improve myself, then maybe it's easier for me to be stoic. I see what you're saying. Right. I mean, it's easier for me to say it's just money and I'll be getting some more next month. If I am actually getting some next month, yeah, if yeah. I'm if yeah. I'm saying it's just money and that means I can't pay my rent yeah. or I can't feed my kids, it money matters there in a different way. Well, it does. And I mean, as again, I'm not I'm not trying to dis discount your uncle's advice. I mean, I think it is probably true that, um, you know, you you could think of it differently. It's just that if it ends up having a materially negative impact on your life, then I wonder how much point of view actually matters. Like if it, I mean, it, it does matter, of course, to some degree, but if I can't control any of the negative impacts and all I, all I can do 
is to control my reactions to them, <laughs> then I don't know I don't know how much control I have. And how that makes a happier life. That could make uh, that could make you <sighs> feel challenge. powerless. Maybe. Um, all right. So here's another one. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Train perceptions. Train perceptions. Is that like um, something about the railroad? Train perceptions? <laughs> it says uh, turning the obstacle upside down. Have you ever heard of this concept? I mean, I've heard of turning things upside down. Okay. Well, Ryan <laughs> has written an entire book on this concept. All right. Okay. Let me tell you what it is. Right. Okay. So what they mean by turning the obstacle upside down is is you make it okay what they what they meant to do was make it impossible not to practice the art of philosophy mm. because if you can properly turn a problem upside down every bad becomes a new source of good okay so stay with me here suppose for a second that you're trying to help someone and they respond by being surly or unwilling to cooperate instead of making your life more difficult the exercise says they're actually directing you toward new virtues for example patience or understanding or the death of someone close to you, a chance to show fortitude. That's, that's. So Marcus Aurelius described it this way. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Yep. What do you think of that? It's relatively famous. Yeah, why? Why is that famous? Oh, Nietzsche picked it up. Oh, um, really? From, yeah, and it became part of some writing that he did. But, yeah, that idea that... Um, if you're in the Stoic community and you're, I mean, if you're thinking in the, in the Stoic area and you're trying to, you know, figure out the value somehow or the importance of some barrier that's in your way intellectually or physically or financially or whatever, the advice from Marcus Aurelius is that we, um, we explore that directly such that, you know, dealing with the problem, whatever solution comes out of it, is um, the right way to handle it as opposed to, as opposed to something like avoidance, right? right? So you want to, you know, the problem that you're dealing with becomes synonymous with um, your living with it and your dealing growth. with growth. Sort of like the idea that Could be. growth, that, okay, I'm facing a barrier, an obstacle, a problem, how how I could see this as an opportunity to grow some virtue or behavior yeah. that I don't fully have haven't mastered or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. So yeah. Um, so one strategy I read about a long time ago about how to do that well, or or a little a little thing you can do mentally, mm -hmm. is you can imagine you are. Let's see if how I can say this, if I can say this very well. Imagine that you are somebody else dealing with it and you are observing that person. Okay. Does that make sense? Sure. So Disinterested spectator. Exactly. Yeah. So you would say, well, what should this person do? Or mm -hmm. you see it from above and you see it in the proper perspective versus feeling it's all, I'm immersed in it, I'm swimming in it. Versus, oh, this is someone dealing with a difficult uh, colleague or mm -hmm. a troublesome neighbor. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you see it that way from above mm -hmm. versus, I guess, versus feeling stuck in it. Sure. And letting the emotion sort of like push all your buttons. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that can give you some more control. I mean, all of this ultimately comes back to, I think, 
having a perception of more control in your in your life. All of these come back to that. I think right? so. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm I'm kind of appreciating stoicism. Go get it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't. I, I, You're not going to journal every day about it. Well, but. I don't. I, I wonder. Um, all of the philo- all philosophy is is contextualized, and um, it's hard for me sometimes to see why anyone would care about stoicism with its emphasis on denying yourself the low-hanging fruit. What do you mean, denying yourself? Well, stoicism wants me to build character through things like moderation. Right, right, exactly. But sometimes the world offers me a a real, you know, payday, like a real excessive, (laughs) you know, windfall. Opportunity. Yeah, and so why wouldn't I just take all of that? Why why should I mm-hmm. why should I limit myself? Why shouldn't I become you know someone who has more money and affluence and fame than they even know what to do with? Like why not have too much? And of course for the stoic that creates all sorts of problems for your character. Um, ah. You know, that that would be a bigger challenge to you because you would very likely become focused on things that were more trivial and less significant. And then when problems inevitably creep into your life, it becomes diff- more difficult to diagnose exactly what those are and how those are supposed to be working um, when you're trying to overcome them. So It sounds like you just gave the description of Ryan's book called Ego is the Enemy. <laughs> he does have a book called that. I didn't read it. <laughs> You just you just basically gave the That's should have it. written okay. the foreword. All right. Well, he knows he knows how to get me. That's where to find you. All right. If he's listening to this. He does. There's the very last one. Okay. Actually, no. Okay. There is a couple more. One of them we just talked about, which is take the view from above. Mm. Right. Okay. Uh, tap into what Stoics call sympathia. Have you heard about that? Okay. Or mutual interdependence of the whole of humanity. Hmm. So the idea is there not just the view of above that I was talking about, but the view of like the globe, like get a view of the world as a whole, mm-hmm. as a way to ground yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not about me. It's about me in, in, in the about, role I play in this us. bigger world. About us. <laughs> the gl- global humanity. Sure. He says, also remember it's all ephemeral. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's this is all going away at some point. Your days are numbered. You just yeah. don't know what the number is. Well, and that's important for the Stoics, actually, um, because they want to have control. I mean, one of the important uh, ideas for the Stoic is is to be able to have um, a good death. Right. And so I should be able to control myself and my emotions surrounding my own death. Um, really? Yeah. Well, according to Ryan, it says, from a personal standpoint, it matters little if your name is emblazoned on a map if you lose perspective and hurt those around you. Right. Sure. So but the that... idea is that if you're going, since you know you're going to die, the idea is that you want to be known as a quality person. Sure. Yeah, you might. Leave yeah, that you behind would. you. Well, yeah, you would. I mean, in that regard, but also to keep in mind that once you're dead, your your reputation is essentially useless. 
<laughs> you know, like that's not an important, that's not very important, I guess. I mean, again, it's all about control. And so if I let things spin out of control and I, you know, scream and wail, you know, during my death. And if I, you know, allow myself to fall victim to all of my appetites and desires such that, you know, all of the hard work maybe that I've done in my life is obscured by my you know, uh, comparative weakness or something. At, really, at, like at in the, the moment end. facing death, everybody's like, wow. What Some a... stoic, huh? Yeah, yeah man. Like he really just went into that just crying and. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just not very stoic. <laughs> I'm not just... saying that it's. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's just it not. It doesn't fit into there. It like, doesn't work as well as <laughs> you might imagine. So. Well, um, wow. They. Brian has a lot of stuff here. Um, maybe you'll just mention one more thing. And then if people want to know more, they can go to dailystoic.com. I guess. Yep. That's where they can That's get more information. Yep. That's where he is every day. And he has a podcast. All right. I don't know if it's any good, but it's out there. He's got tons of books. I'm sure it's lovely. Tons of articles. Yeah. Um. Okay, one of the things he talks about is something called Prometidatio Malorium. Are you familiar with this? <laughs> I don't you know. You ever if heard I of that? No. It's um, the translation, the premeditation of evils, is a stoic exercise of imagining things that could go wrong to be taken away from us. Sure, yeah, yeah. It helps to prepare us for life's inevitable setbacks. Yeah, that's This a... is a little different from the earlier one because what it basically means is Always have a plan B. Yeah. Always have a plan. Something runs off the road, runs off the rails. You've thought about it. You have a plan B. Right. 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 So you can't control what other people do, but you can have in your head, okay, here's what I would do if mm-hmm. this goes wrong mm-hmm. or this happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So nothing happens to the wise man against his expectations, said Seneca nor do all things turn out for him as he wished, but as he reckoned, and above all, he reckoned that something could block his plans. So you're always like, okay, best laid plans. Right. I'm pretty good at that, maybe to a fault. Are you? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, what about you? Oh, you're yeah. You're always prepared for disruption? Yeah, pretty much. I assume that I assume that things will get disrupted. I'm not always delighted about it, <laughs> but I, I do. But you plan for it? I think, yeah, I think things go in that okay. direction. Okay, last one, okay? All right. Amor Fati. Have you heard about this? Well, that was the same thing we talked about before, wasn't it? Uh, when you brought up Nietzsche? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they say that Nietzsche would describe his formula for human greatness as Amor Fati, a love of fate. It's a little bit different because it specifically talks about fate. Mm. Well, okay. things come into our lives, and it's a question that one you know, idea of Stoicism is how we deal with those. Right. So it is why Amor Fati is the stoic exercise and mindset that you take on for making the best out of anything that happens. Treating each and every moment, no matter how challenging, as something to be embraced, not avoided. To be okay with it, but love it and be better. Not To not only be okay with it, but to love it and be better. So that, like oxygen to a fire, obstacles and adversity become fuel for your potential. Wow. There we that's are. That's quite a leap. Well, that's what we're trying to do. You know, wow. we want to... We want to use the world around us to help make us better. It's like critical thinking stuff. Yeah. Well, I like the stoicism stuff. I'm glad you like it. I think it might be yeah. useful for some folks who are looking for um, 
you know, guidelines or whatever. I mean, sometimes if we can't figure out how to, you know, be satisfied with our lives ourselves, we need some guidance from others. Well, uh, um, Ryan did say that this is the branch of philosophy that gives you tools to live your life. Yeah, well, there are lots of philosophies, <laughs> branches of philosophy that do that, but I think it's probably good that his work is out here for a popular okay. audience. If anyone wants to dabble, you can get Facebook, The Daily Stoic. We'll, we'll throw something at you every day. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good, and uh, it's probably um, something that can help you if you're trying to think about your thinking. It's not inconsistent or incompatible with the kind of critical thinking stuff that we do here. In fact, um, I suppose if you get right down to it, it's probably for everyone. Even you. Hey, 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 thanks for listening to the show. When was the last time you even thought about Forward Radio? I mean, what in the world? What is this thing? You just flip it on and there it is. I mean, can we get any more convenient than that? Just want to remind you, it's 20 bucks a day. I mean, I hear that inflation is making things go up quite a bit. So I don't know, maybe a little more than 20 bucks a day. But we need to hear from you. We need you at forwardradio.org. You can uh, donate to this station, time, talent, or treasure. But for sure, we got to cover that 20 bucks a day so we can bring you all this programming, including the national programming, including the brand new programming, including the tricky, tricky antenna setup and all the computer gadgets that we have there. My goodness, how could we even get it done without your support? So please, please, please. Think about giving us a little support. You would go to forwardradio.org. There's a donate link. And you can click that donate link and you can, um, you know, you can use any of your electronic means. In fact, I think we probably also take checks. Don't quote me on it, but you should go check it out. I mean, where else is there social justice community radio in the Louisville area? Where else can just anybody go and pitch a show and get on the radio? Where else are you going to get support so that you can bring your ideas to the people in this basically free way for the consumer unless a few consumers want to step up and take responsibility? And, of course, we have pledge drives and, of course, we have superstars who are willing to to really dig deep when the time comes to to give and, and they help keep us going. But what about the average person on the street? That's you. Come on, average person. And if you're more than an average person, I don't know, maybe you could give us more than that 20 bucks a day. It'd be super sweet. Please go to forwardradio.org. Thank you for thinking this through on behalf of critical thinking for everyone. I mean, we are trying to get it through to everyone out there that Forward Radio is also for everyone. Even you.